Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 2nd of November. India's COVID-19 tally has surged past the 82 lakh or 8.2 million mark with an addition of over 47,000 new cases in the last 24 hours. The country recorded under 500 new deaths and the nationwide death toll remains close to 1,22,000. The number of active cases also remain under the 6 lakh mark with over 75 lakh people who have recovered from the virus. Meanwhile, a soon-to-be-launched book by three of India's leading healthcare experts looks to answer some contentious questions about the pandemic. The book, titled Till We Win, India's Fight Against COVID-19 Pandemic, authored by Dr. Randeep Guleria, Dr. Gagandeep Kang and Dr. Chandrakant Laheria, focused on three principal issues. The issues being why COVID-19 is not just another respiratory disease, the public health response and stories from the front lines and the future roadmap for the public, policymakers and physicians given the long road ahead to vaccines. Dr. Guleria is the director of the All India Institute of Medical Sciences or AIMS, while Dr. Kang and Dr. Laheria are leading experts on infectious diseases and public health systems respectively. The book would also be highlighting the fact that the reduction in death rates is a good sign but is not linked to peaking of cases and India might see multiple peaks in the time to come. Now moving on to some COVID updates from different parts of the country. The national capital recorded over 5,000 single-day infections for the fifth day in a row yesterday. The city has recorded over 32,000 new cases in the last one week alone. This has pushed Delhi's daily positivity rate to 12.69%. Addressing the issue of the recent spike in cases, Delhi's Health Minister Satendra Jain on Sunday said aggressive contact tracing was the primary reason for the sudden increase in numbers. Another important factor is the worsening air pollution in the city. However, despite the spike in COVID cases, the Delhi government has decided to relax restrictions. Buses will now be allowed to operate in the city at full capacity. While this has been permitted, no additional passengers will be allowed to stand inside the buses. The government has also decided to allow up to 200 guests to attend wedding functions in the city, up from the previous 50 people restriction. The Rajasthan government, which recently made wearing face masks mandatory, on the other hand, has decided to ban the sale and bursting of firecrackers, keeping in mind the safety of COVID-19 infection patients. This has also been done to protect the general public from toxic fumes from the fireworks. Moving on, the chief of terrorist group Hezbollah Mujahideen was killed in an encounter on the outskirts of Srinagar yesterday. Officials said that Saiful Islam Mir, also known as Dr. Saifullah, had taken command of the outfit after the killing of Riaz Naiku in May this year and was one of the most wanted terrorists in Jammu and Kashmir. He had also been involved in several attacks on the security forces. The Inspector General of Police in Kashmir, Vijay Kumar, called this a huge success for the police and security forces. Addressing reporters near the encounter site, Vijay Kumar said that the police had received information that Saifullah had come to the outskirts of Srinagar from South Kashmir and was hiding in a house. He said, and I quote, So the security forces cordoned off the area and an operation was launched. In the exchange of firing, one militant was killed. According to our source, we are 95% sure that he is Dr. Saifullah. We are retrieving the body and it will be identified. Unquote. The official also added that incriminating material including arms and ammunition had been recovered from the encounter site. Saifullah had joined militant ranks in 2014 and operated under the slain commander Burhanwani. 
Wani, the previous militant commander of Hezbollah Mujahideen, was killed in a gun battle on July 8 in 2016 in Bamdura area of South Kashmir. Wani's killing had set off a six-month-long violent agitation in which more than 100 civilians were killed and thousands were injured. This also included those wounded by the controversial pellet guns used by the security forces. Campaigning for the second phase of Bihar Assembly elections ended last evening. 94 constituencies spread across 17 districts in the state of Bihar will go into polling tomorrow. The last day of campaigning had all the major parties conducting a large number of rallies in the polling constituencies. Prime Minister Narendra Modi himself addressed four back-to-back rallies in support of the National Democratic Alliance or NDA candidates. Rashtriya Janata Dal or RJD's leader Tejasvi Yadav also juggled between public rallies spread across a dozen venues. Meanwhile, in an accusatory letter, Hindustani Awam Morcha's Jitin Ram Manji today wrote to the Prime Minister Narendra Modi demanding an investigation into the death of Union Minister Ram Vilas Paswan. Paswan, who was a patron of the Lok Jan Shakti Party or LJP, had died on October 8 this year after having undergone heart surgery. In the letter, the Hindustani Awam Morcha has raised several questions and also pointed at Paswan's son Chirag Paswan's role in the death. The letter reads and I quote, there are several doubts that bring his son Chirag Paswan in question. Unquote. In retaliation, Chirag Paswan slammed Maji and accused others of playing politics over his father's death. Chirag Paswan is standing as the face of the Lok Jan Shakti party in the 2020 Bihar Assembly elections. Prime Minister Narendra Modi in his election rallies in the state yesterday spoke about the Pulwama attack and the Pakistan minister's recent comments. The Prime Minister also touched upon contentious issues like Balakot Air Strike, Ayodhya, Article 370, the Citizenship Amendment Act and the alleged anti-national slogans raised at JNU by pro-left activists. In the context of the Prime Minister's statement during the rallies, former Finance Minister and Congress leader P. Chidambaram launched an attack on Modi via Twitter. He questioned the Prime Minister as to why he had chosen to speak on issues like Ram Temple and the scrapping of Article 370. The tweet read and I quote If you were a voter in Bihar what do they tell you about unemployment jobs new industries MSP for food grains crop insurance flood relief women's safety etc The answer is zilch nothing you are being asked to vote for NDA on a message that contains nothing Meanwhile in one of the rallies addressed by the Prime Minister yesterday a Dalit journalist from a media organization called the Shudra covering Dalit issues was allegedly surrounded pushed and shoved by supporters of the Prime Minister Journalist Meena Kotwal in a series of tweets narrated how the events unfolded at the rally in Bihar's Motihari While she was interviewing people at the rally regarding issues like education, employment, women's safety and casteism a group of people surrounded her and started chanting the Prime Minister's name She tried to somehow escape the crowd and went to a location nearby where she began to interview a youth who wanted to talk about his unemployment situation. A crowd of people gathered around them again and prevented the youth from speaking about his issues. Unsavory language was exchanged and the crowd started beating up the youth. When the journalist tried to stop them, she was met with abusive language, caste slurs and pushing. She wrote in her tweets that after trying to reason with them, she tried to escape and was followed by the crowd for a while. Traditionally stigmatized as rat eaters, the Musahar community is one of the most marginalized caste groups socioeconomically and politically. In most villages they reside on the southern edge. Most of the Musahar population in Bihar is concentrated in and around Gaya district. 
Historically, the community has been subjected to exploitation, often forced to work as bonded laborers for the rich. Now, many of them work in brick kilns across the country. As education and employment is scarce for Musahars, their children are routinely lured away by middlemen with promises of work and taken to cities such as Jaipur. Once there, the children are made to work for up to 20 hours a day, beaten up and exploited. To find out more, do read Basant's ground report titled Child Labour and a Life of Deprivation Stalk Bihar's Musahar Community. This report is a part of our News Laundry Sena series, which is an initiative by News Laundry where people like you can fund the stories that you want to hear. Our team of talented reporters visit the areas involved and bring you a series of in-depth ground reports. The Bihar election series was one such project. We have a bunch of extensive ground reports under it. You'll find them on our website, newslaundry.com. In Gujarat, a self-styled spiritual guru, Prashant Upadhyay, of the Bagla Mukhi Brahmastra Vidya Mandir of Vadodara, has been accused of repeatedly raping a minor between 2013 and 2017. Upadhyay, who is in judicial custody after being arrested in a cheating case earlier this year, is already facing another rape charge. The complaint was filed against the accused at Gotri police station on Saturday. The complainant, who was a minor at the time of the alleged crime, claimed that the accused had raped her on 12 occasions between 2013 and 2017. The complainant added that her family would attend sermons at Upadhyay's spiritual centre and had also encouraged her to offer quote-unquote services during vacations. The complainant said that in 2015, when she was 16 years old, three women disciples of Upadhyay had taken her to his room. Upadhyay had given her a tablet, which he said was a mouth freshener. The tablet had rendered her unconscious. She added that the accused had then raped her and later threatened to release her nude pictures on social media. For the same, Upadhyay has been booked under various sections of the IPC for Rape and Criminal Intimidation as well as Protection of Children from Sexual Offences Act. Meanwhile, a recent statement by a Kerala politician showed the regressive outlook about rape that still exists in our country. Mullapalli Ramachandran, the president of the Kerala unit of the Congress, yesterday called a woman a sex worker. The woman in question had accused several leaders and ministers of the previous Congress-led UDF government of raping her. But she had backtracked and soon after apologised. Ramachandran, in an opposition protest meeting, said, and I quote, Every day this woman would wake up saying she has been raped by someone. The LDF has brought a sex worker as a desperate attempt and made her tell tales. Chief Minister, this game will not work. This blackmailing will not work. One can understand when a woman is raped once. But she says she is repeatedly assaulted. A woman with self-respect will either die after she is raped once or will try not to be sexually assaulted again. Unquote. Members of the Gujar community have been protesting in Rajasthan's Bharatpur by occupying railway tracks. The protesters are seeking reservation in jobs and education for the community. More than 12 trains have been diverted on the Delhi-Mumbai railway line owing to the protest and blockade. As a precaution, the state has temporarily discontinued its bus service on the Agra-Jaipur route. Officials said that the protests turned violent after some agitators damaged the Mumbai-Delhi railway tracks passing through Pilupura. At least 450 personnel of the Railway Police Force or RPF and Government Railway Police Force were deployed at Kota Railway Division. Gujar leader Vijay Bensla said that the Gujar protests would continue until their demands were met. He also added that he had engaged in a dialogue with the state's chief minister Ashok Gehloth, but nothing had taken shape. 
The Gujar community has been protesting for reservation repeatedly since 2007. They had been given 5% in a special category, but it was struck down a number of times by the court. The reason for this is that it exceeds the 50% reservation limit set by the Supreme Court. Government advertising accounts for a sizable chunk of revenue for big media. In the time of an economic downturn, media companies come to rely even more heavily on ad spending by the governments in states and at the centre. These ads, however, come with strings attached. Governments tend to distribute ads in lieu of favourable coverage or use it as a stick to beat journalists into compliance. The control that governments are able to exercise over the media then should concern all news consumers because it ultimately shapes the information they consume. Moreover, given that governments spend public money on advertising, it is all the more crucial to examine how these governments spend. The government's ad expenditure has grown vastly in the last decade and a half. The sums involved are huge. For example, in 2018 and 19, the government's total ad expenditure was rupees 1,179 crores. Is using such huge amounts of the taxpayers' money justified? To know more, do read Supriti and Anmol's report titled The Modi Government is Spending Even More on Media Ads. Who Benefits? You'll find the report on newslaundry.com. Also, dear listeners, do you now see why we at Newslaundry consciously decide to stay 100% free of advertisements? Because when the advertiser pays, the advertiser is served. But when the public pays, the public is served. So, please do support us by subscribing to Newslaundry. A monthly plan costs as low as 300 rupees only. So go to the website and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. And now for some international updates. Over 46.5 million people around the world have been infected by COVID-19 so far and more than 1.2 million have died due to the disease. After weeks of resisting calls for a lockdown, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is shutting pubs, restaurants and most retail stores in England starting from Thursday until December 2nd. Britain has crossed the 1 million mark for total cases according to a New York Times database and its death toll from the virus is close to 59,000, which is one of the highest in Europe. Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland had already put in place such restrictions. The British Prime Minister announced the sweeping measures on Saturday, effectively establishing a national lockdown as Europe battles a second wave of coronavirus infections. Greece and Austria also tightened measures, joining France, Germany, Belgium and Ireland in shutting down large parts of their economies to try to keep their hospitals from being overwhelmed. Italy, that is preparing for the lockdowns in the most infected regions, has become a symbol of despair, exhaustion and fear that is spreading throughout the continent. Infections are also rising in several of Russia's far-flung regions. In Spain, the Prime Minister called for an end to the violent and irrational behaviour of a minority of people after demonstrations in several cities, including Madrid and Barcelona, against the government's decision to declare a six-month state of emergency in response to the pandemic. The head of the World Health Organization, or WHO, has gone into self-quarantine after someone he had been in contact with tested positive for COVID-19. With the coronavirus again spreading rapidly across Europe, Dr. Tedros, who is based in Geneva, made the announcement by Twitter late on Sunday night but stressed that he had no symptoms. US President Donald Trump, meanwhile, has threatened to fire Dr. Anthony Fauci, America's top infectious disease expert, during a midnight rally in Florida 24 hours before the US presidential election. As the crowds in Miami airport chanted fire Fauci, the president allowed the chance to continue for several seconds before responding. 
He said, and I quote, Don't tell anybody, but let me wait until a little bit after the election. I appreciate the advice. I appreciate it. He's been wrong a lot. He is a nice man though, unquote. Dr. Fauci has served for over three decades as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He is one of the lead experts on Trump's coronavirus task force and has frequently offered frank public health guidance in contrast to the president's repeated lies on the severity of the pandemic. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.